0: You know people spend you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on cars or works of art or other things like that that are sort of have the same level of intention and and attention like put into them. um so at a certain point, it can be a bargain if that's you know something that you're into.
1: What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with David Shuck, who is the managing editor of Heddles.com, which is a website that used to be devoted strictly to raw denim, uh, now incorporates leather goods, um, different sort of like clothing items that you could be really interested and in, involved in the care and maintenance of and upkeep of and things like that. So if that all sounds weird to you, it is a little weird. We're about to talk about Rod Hedham for over an hour. Uh, I promise you it's super interesting and super awesome. So I myself, if you heard last week's episode about time management, I talk about the the fact that one of my issues with time management is going down these like internet wormholes of research well i'll be researching something for an episode or something else and i'll just keep on learning and learning and learning more stuff and and half the time i end up learning something that i didn't ever set out to learn about and for me about a year ago that was raw denim i was learning about something else uh, through all these Clicks and links ended up on different raw denim sites, learning all about raw denim. One of those being Heddles. So Heddles is pretty much like the number one raw denim website. It has over a million page views a month. Um, the Raw Denim Reddit community, for instance, has over 50,000 people in it. So there are a lot of people that are really into raw denim. Um, the first question that we'll tackle, obviously, is what is Raw Denim. It, it's it been an awesome thing for me to get into and has sort of changed the way that I look at goods and I, I purchase things for myself. And uh, we'll talk about that and the philosophy of of purchasing things for yourself in this episode. Um, And we will just learn everything you could possibly ever want to know about raw denim. So without further ado, here is Raw Denim with David Chuck. David, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, for sure.
1: So uh, I usually try to start with sort of like a softball, easy pitch question for the person. I feel like this question is probably like the hardest question out of the entire thing, though, maybe, uh, which is <laughs> just what is raw denim uh, to start everything out and lay the groundwork for the rest of the interview?
0: OK, great. Yeah, it's probably a good place to start. So like raw denim, at sort of its most basic level is just like denim fabric that is like, straight off the mill. Um, it hasn't been distressed, washed, or um, you know abraded, or like sandblasted, or anything like that. It's just basically cut up immediately um, from the the raw state and put and in, sewn into jeans, and then uh, you can wear that. And like they start off all sort of stiff and cardboardy and hard, and then as you wear them, they sort of mold into your body type, and um, develop fades and holes and natural wear patterns. So like each uh, person that wears a a pair of raw denim turns out completely different from anyone else that would wear them uh so like raw denim could be in jeans or it could be in jackets like you could see it on uh accessories like hats or wallets or there's even been like raw denim tents and sleeping bags for people who are really into this stuff and um it's sort of developed its own unique subculture of people that appreciate this stuff and like the way that um, denim used to be made, so it's it's pretty well tied into the the vintage denim and you know like vintage workwear community is like all denim used to be raw denim before about nineteen seventy when it was considered more of a workwear good uh because it's much harder wearing because it you know hasn't been uh washed halfway to death, and um yeah it tends to last a lot longer, so you know it has this sort of um uh utilitarian aspect as well as like a personalized aspect. Um so it brings you know, a lot of really interesting people together and there are a lot of uh really great folks in the community that have sort of come together around what's a sort of niche and kind of weird old fabric that uh yeah there's still quite a few people excited about.
1: Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned the sort of stiffness of it and and getting that to conform to your body. So you're basically like breaking this in. So I think with break in, you know, people have heard of that concept and they think about that with maybe you buy yourself a hat or if you buy yourself a pair of like leather shoes or something, people be like, oh, it's really uncomfortable. It's like, oh, you gotta break those shoes in and they'll get more Mm -hmm. comfortable over time. I don't think that's a concept many people are familiar with when you're talking about a pair of jeans. People would be like, oh, they're jeans, they should be really comfortable. Like, why are you purposely buying something that's uncomfortable? That's crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, break in period is something that we just really don't have in a lot of consumer goods these days. It's something that like pretty much anything you bought, you have to break in. And there's sort of this like natural life cycle of like, oh, this is unpleasant. And eventually, like you use it enough that you hit this sweet spot, whether that's boots or like you've got a cast iron skillet or like even, you know, breaking in a new like bike or a car, there's like some point where it just like hits its stride. And then uh, it just sort of becomes better after that. Yeah. But uh yeah, so on jeans, like, they're kind of uncomfortable at first. Like, you usually have to size down um, because they stretch out a little bit uh, when you first wear them. The break-in period, if, like, it's your first time ever wearing a pair of raw denim jeans, it can be a little bit of a uh, a milestone to, to make it past that. Um, is like, you know, as I mentioned, like, these jeans, like, they take a natural evolution over the course of their lives. So, like, most jeans um, that people buy are, like, pre-distressed, pre-washed, and uh, they sort of start out in, like, one sort of static place, and they stay that way, basically, through the end of their life cycle. But, um, yeah, having this, this break-in period is something that know, you uh, really gets you and your jeans to really get to know each other, whether you, you want to or not, uh, at first, that, that makes it a much more satisfying experience in the long run.
1: Yeah, man. For, for lack of a better term, it's so like romantic and just so awesome. And (laughs) I know you're into a lot of different types of things like this. And, and I am as well. I'm, I'm really into tea and I have a whole bunch of very little, uh, Japanese and Chinese teapots and like each one gets a different type of tea in it. And there is very much a whole entire like break-in process with the pots or, uh, like I love that you mentioned a cast iron skillet with cooking and things like that. It's, it's a really nice thing to purchase something and to, to not have it, uh, what people would consider perfect right off the bat. But, but the ideal iteration of this thing you just bought is going to be at some point in the future. After you've put use into it, you need to put the use into it to get it to this version that you want. Um, which I guess to some people could again, sound maybe unappealing because it's like, we'll just buy the thing that you want right now. Mm -hmm. But first of all, it, it you know, there's a little bit of philosophy to that and like of appreciating the journey and things like that. But second of all, it's nice that every time you are using it, you're kind of like looking forward to this thing. It, it, it adds something that you're actually thinking about with um, this thing that you bought versus, you, you know, there's like no thought process whatsoever. Like, yeah, I'm just throwing on this pair of jeans that I bought again. Um, it's now this thing that you're like investing yourself into. You're investing time into it. And that makes it become a lot more of a thing than just a pair of jeans, than just a teapot, than just this pan that I'm cooking with.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much personal investment into it. And it's like you're making progress by using it. It's like uh, most of the things that you would buy today, like they start out at 100 and then they just sort of degrade and get down and down and down to the point where you're either bored with them or they stop working. Um, Whereas like with raw denim or something like that, it starts off like, in this blank natural state and like the more you put into it, the, the more that, uh, they sort of become what they truly are supposed to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's a totally different way of thinking about like what you own and how you use stuff. But, um, something that, you know, is, we think is much more enjoyable, uh, over at heddles and like uh, it's much more environmentally friendly. Cause you know, if you have, you know, two pairs of rather jeans, ones that you have broken in and one that you, uh, is totally new and blank like you're probably going to pick the ones that you've already broken in so you don't have to go through that process again and you already you know know what's reflected in yourself in that other
1: pair right right um so i'm going to go over a conversation that i had two nights ago with you and i'm sure my friend damien will be listening to this episode Uh, (laughs) two nights ago i was out to dinner with a friend that i haven't seen in a long time and he was like hey uh do you have any interesting interviews coming up for a half hour intern and i was like actually uh on monday morning i'm going to be interviewing this guy named david who is the head editor for this thing called heddles which is for rod denim and i was like have i ever talked about like rod denim to you before he's like maybe i don't know and then he starts like going over some stuff and i was like yeah like i must have i must have talked to you about this before he's (laughs) like yeah like he's like i i uh i i I hate it like jeans that are faded and stuff like pre-faded and everything i like just plain jeans he's like so I-, I guess i've like always been wearing raw denim and i was like you haven't like you, you- trust me <laughs> you haven't always been wearing raw denim he's like no no i like you said like you know my jeans aren't the ones that are like sandblasted and have all these like crazy fades on them like i hate that look you know and i was like you know i, I know what you're saying but you're it <laughs> trust me like what you're wearing isn't raw denim so explain that, that like whether, uh, I guess what exactly would make a pair of raw denim versus a pair of plain denim, like denim that doesn't have a bunch of like whiskers and fades on it and stuff.
0: Yeah, um, like most every pair of jeans that you can buy at the mall like, is not raw. Like the only ones that um, you can buy at the mall that are really raw are like Gap makes uh, a couple pairs of raw jeans and like Levi's 501 shrink to fits. Pretty much everything else has, like, gone through a couple washes to soften it up and make it so it is that point where, like, it is comfortable right off the bat. uh, So you don't have to go through that break-in process because, you know, like, most people don't want to do that. They just want to put on something that's comfy, like, immediately, which is, you know, more power to them if that's what they want. But um, I I guess there's a a streak of masochism a little bit in the the rod denim community that we want (laughs) to... go through that uncomfortableness, like in order to, you know, get that satisfaction eventually at the end. Um, but yeah, plain jeans, I guess, as your friend probably considers them as just like a dark wash pair of jeans, um, which, uh, you know, you can buy those that are sort of darker looking, but generally like pretty much everything that I've seen at the mall, uh, or from most brands has like some sort of distressing on it to take that, you know, rigidity out of it and make it more uh, enjoyable and first wear.
1: So question, so, I never really even considered this before, but for someone like my friend who does not like the look of distressing and uh, of whiskers on the jeans and things like that. Um with raw denim, is that always going to be something that happens? Because I guess we still need to cover like why that starts to happen and that that is a, a natural process that doesn't have to be like this unnatural process that was done to your jeans to make them look that way. But is this something that's always going to happen or could my friend Damien, could he buy raw denim and keep them looking plain as he breaks them in and get this pair of raw denim to conform to his body and have all these other benefits that you have with raw denim, but they're still going to look plain or is a sort of fading and whiskering? Pro- when I say fading, I guess I don't mean like, a, you know, a fade across the whole jeans. But yeah, like whiskering and things like that. Like, is that um, going to happen no matter what? When you buy a pair of raw denim, that just comes with the territory
0: um in most cases yes but like there are a few companies that produce raw denim that make options that just don't fade at all for people like your friend that would want them to stay dark and stay plain for you know the entirety of the existence until you know the the jeans start falling apart they've been worn for years and years So um i guess to get a little bit into the the science of fading and like why these raw jeans fade um is uh, it's really all about indigo that um you know that's the the natural dye stuff that makes you know most blue jeans blue That's sort of that you know like darker um sort of like cerulean looking type blue right that um uh when jeans like used to be made and uh denim was dyed they would have these you know long white yarns so like these long white threads that would be woven into to denim and they would dye just the ones running up and down on uh, a pair of jeans blue. So, you know, the inside's white, the outside's blue. And when it was being uh, dyed, just those ones that were running um, vertically on the outside, they'd be uh, done doing this uh, type of dyeing called rope dyeing, where they would just sort of dunk those yarns, like, really quickly up and down through these big tubs of indigo. So it would only go on the outside of that yarn, and the inside of it would stay white. So then uh, as you're wearing something like raw denim, which hasn't been distressed there, um, you would naturally be chipping away at the indigo that's on the outside of that yarn uh, and reveal the inside, which is white. So that's going to happen in like areas of high stress points, like where behind your knees when you're walking or like in your lap when you sit down or like if you keep your wallet in your back pocket that's naturally going to be pressing against the indigo that's on the outside. So it's going to chip off in those areas and sort of highlight them where they turn white. Okay. Um, So there are other uh, um, companies in the raw denim world that some of them do uh, vat dyeing, which just gets that um, indigo or whatever color they're using all the way down to the center of the yarn. So uh, no matter how much you beat them up or abuse them, it's just going to reveal more and more blue or more and more whatever color. That there's no white core to get down to
1: okay right so, right
0: yeah so some of those like if uh you're looking for a raw gene that's you know dyed all the way through um you can find those i think pure blue japan and iron heart still make uh like really really great genes that will not fade at all okay but yeah fading um they're uh yeah raw denim without the fades is sort of i don't know like uh, coffee without the caffeine for a lot of folks
1: <laughs> right god that's but, such a good analogy Um, uh yeah because if if part of it is this is this journey that we're going to be taking you want to be able to look at your genes and sort of like see the journey so to speak you know i want to look down and be like yeah like this is what's been happening and if i look down and they just look super plain i'll be like did anything happen or did it not i don't know
0: yeah it's it's a canvas that paints itself is the way i've heard it described by many people that you just go out and do whatever you're going to do in it and like it's going to remember it for you yeah. Whether you want it to or not. Yeah. You got, you know, fading raw jeans as you'll see like, Oh, you know, I, I spilled some mustard there. I, uh, you know, fell off my bike at, at that point. So that's why the knee's a little bit torn up. Um, yeah, that I, I got a new phone so you can see like the out, the uh, imprint of the old phone sort of eclipsed by the new one <laughs> as it got a little bit bigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. This is like the, uh, the iPhone plus this is like the regular one. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so forensic
1: fading. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I would love to uh, dig into this a little bit because uh, something that has sort of surprised but also not surprised me at the same time as I've gotten into raw denim over the past couple of years is, um, you know, reading on on forums and uh, and even on your website and things like that. And especially like in the comment section It is like how sort of like precious people will will treat their raw denim. So. Uh, like a very like common question that you that people ask is about um, soaking and washing and okay if i'm gonna wash it okay should i use no detergent then and try to like agitate it as little as possible so i'm not locking knocking off any of the indigo and like or some people just don't wash theirs whatsoever and then some of these people from back in the day You would see like putting their jeans in the freezer as opposed to washing their jeans because they were told that putting them in the freezer would kill the bacteria and kill the odor. So as opposed to washing my jeans, I'm just periodically going to put them into the freezer to kill off some of the Mm -hmm. bacteria because I'm so afraid of washing them. But then to me, it's like you're being way too precious with this whole thing now. First of all, to what we were saying earlier, like it's supposed to be like this natural journey you know and part of a jeans natural journey is to go in the wash like that is part of the natural journey of a pair of jeans but second of all it, there is uh as you you spoke about at the beginning of the interview this also sort of like vintage aspect about all of this and the way and the whole entire like this is the way that people used to do things people used to have um uh, je- uh denim like this and people used to have leather goods like this that were raw and whatever those people, I guarantee you, were not putting their denim in the freezer. You know, like these people were mm-hmm. washing their jeans as they needed to be washed. Like you said, they might have a mustard stain. They're not worried about it. Um, so I guess where are you at in terms of like the philosophy of of raw denim and the, the treatment and, uh, and sort of how to how to go about like caring for this thing that uh, and partially what might go into it for these people is it costs quite a bit of money to get a pair of raw denim compared to regular jeans.
0: Yeah. So the way I, I have, think about you know all these sort of weird raw denim activities and myths, uh, I guess I've been into it now for about ten years, uh, is that the raw denim community is sort of a fraternity that you haze yourself into. So there's all these weird things like you mentioned, uh, putting your jeans in the freezer, maybe washing them in the ocean, or uh, you know not washing them for a year or so, and just like uh, handling them very, uh, with, with kid gloves um, like they're this, you know, like precious thing, like as you mentioned, that uh, might just totally disintegrate if you do something wrong with them. And I think a lot of that comes from people like just not having uh, any garment that's this expensive um, and that the raw denim is sort of the, the first, you know, quote unquote, nice thing that they've uh, they've bought. So, you know, jeans, as you've said, are expensive. Their uh, raw denim can go anywhere from like fifty dollars if you want to buy a pair of like Levi's shrink to fits, all the way up to four or five hundred dollars if you want to get something that's you know from a niche Japanese brand. But uh, so when people get this, you know, strange thing that doesn't feel like the anything they've ever worn before, um, doesn't really conform to any of the the way that they think about clothing. They're just sort of looking like, oh, what do I do with this? i just spent all this money. I want to be able to do it right. <laughs> yeah, I want to have these fades. I want to be able to like, impress other people. I want it to all be natural. And they just sort of like, totally get like, in and out of their own heads uh, for what they're supposed to do with this stuff. So, um, that's how I think things like you know, the, the freezer trick uh, came about. is you know, People think that they, you put the genes in the freezer, it'll kill the bacteria. But actually, it just makes them dormant, and they come back, you know, within like twelve or twenty-four hours. Uh, there was a, a study done at the University of Alberta where um, a student there wore his pair of jeans for sixteen hours, uh, or no, sorry, it's sixteen hours, sixteen months, and then uh, without washing them, and then put them in the freezer, and then uh, yeah, compare the bacteria levels, but before and after the freezer, and before and after wash. And, like, the the freezer did nothing, and the wash, like, significantly diminished the bacteria levels.
1: Right, right.
0: But um, it's a thing that I think, like, you have to go through that in order to, I guess, come out the other side. That, like, uh, as I was talking about before, like, wearing raw denim is more of, like, a mental change and, like, a different perspective on, like, how you're wearing and, like, interacting with the things you buy, rather than just, like, buying a new pair of jeans. Is, uh you know, the, the things about, like, washing them infrequently and uh, ew, uh, wearing just sort of only one pair and all this, like, precious aspect of it is just really the way that, you know, I think a lot of us should be treating a lot of the things that we own and, like, less like they're disposable. But at the same time, you know, these are, like, hardy, like, tough, like, work pants. That you know they're not going to explode if you put them in the the washer and the dryer. That's <laughs> um, something that can take pretty much anything you throw at them. But like, there's no real correct or incorrect way to do it. It's just sort of you know, wear them the way that you would naturally do it in your life. So it's a little bit of I guess a, a paradox there of like you need to change the way that you interact with uh, the things that you own and wear in order to fully, I guess, get the most out of it and for it to be worth it for you to spend, you know, upwards of $300 potentially on a pair of jeans. But also, you know, you shouldn't totally change your life around it so it's all about the jeans.
1: Okay, so while we are on this topic of, you know, two, 300 bucks for a pair of jeans, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will scoff at that and be like, well, if I'm just going to wear these like a pair of regular jeans, why am I paying two, 300 bucks for it? Yet that's all fine and cool and good that you have this little journey with your jeans, but I can have my journey with my $20 jeans, which by the way is a totally valid point. Philosophically speaking, if you want to take anything inexpensive on a journey, you can do that same thing um oh yeah absolutely talk a little bit about cost per wear and how long uh a pair of two or three hundred dollar raw denim jeans are going to last and what the life expectancy might be versus a pair of jeans uh you know like regular levi's 511s or you know like a pair of jeans from target or something oh
0: yeah absolutely this is something that i've written about quite a bit to um, maybe my own mental gymnastics to justify the cost, but like something that I think <laughs> is uh, really relevant when you're thinking about these like really high dollar items um, is, you know, before I got into this about 10 years ago, I used to go to the mall and I would buy like three or four pairs of Levi's, like 514s, 511s uh, every single year, like every September. And then, you know, the the jeans that I bought, the a uh, year before would be either trash or I'd be bored with them. And I'd just be like, okay, it's time to buy new jeans because, like, that's what you do. And I'd be spending, you know, like, Levi's at the mall are still, like, 50, 60 bucks. I'd be spending about $200 every year on um, on jeans, you know, whether but I was buying, like, three or four pairs rather than one pair. And then as I started learning more about raw denim, I was like, oh, maybe I will take the leap and I'll try to buy just one pair for the same Gene budget that i would normally have and uh so i ended up buying a pair of uh 316 sl 100x's which is an uh, american uh company based in new york um that you know makes amazing sort of um you mid-level and not like crazy expensive uh raw denim but you know they they're really own uh their own proprietary fabric that's really great and uh you know the cuts are also great it's it's a great um Jean if you're just looking to get started, and uh, yeah, I wore that pair of pants like pretty much exclusively for about a year and a half so if you know, like you did the math on that, like the amount of value that I got out of that two hundred dollar pair of jeans was way higher than I got out of spending two hundred dollars on jeans at the mall uh, so it's something that was just really uh, I guess a light bulb moment for me of like, oh, if I you know picked things that I actually really liked. And like I still want to, you know, have with me is I still have that pair of jeans and I still wear it occasionally. Uh, that you know maybe I should rethink the way that I'm buying stuff um, because the expensive things, like in the long run, can actually be much cheaper.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, God, especially when you're considering something like a um, like a non-wash, durable pair of denim, or you know you're really into, and a lot of people that are into raw denim or into leather goods as well. If you buy like an untreated, you know, raw piece of of leather so to speak that's going to take so long to break in and so long to to go through um but yeah i really love you talking about the the sort of change in in thought process and everything we already talked about that a little bit at the beginning of the interview but i guess talk about that more of of getting into getting really into raw denim and how it maybe it changed your approach at the way that you purchased other things or, or looked at other things that you owned
0: yeah. Yeah. Is uh, the way that I think like I used to, um, operate as a consumer, I think like most people in our, uh, United States today operate is like, you throw away things like long before they break that just because like, we get bored of stuff, um, before, uh, it's totally been broken and you have to just replace it. Um, and that's at least for things like, you know, clothing or other sort of, I guess, um, creative or like, um, style oriented decisions not like utilities of like you know I'm not going to get bored with my garbage disposal <laughs> and uh, replace that but things you know like shoes or jeans or like um uh, mainly with apparel that uh if like you are invested enough into the things that you own either monetarily or you know um uh we you put your time and your your like break in period into it you're gonna be much uh, more likely, I guess, to stick out um, the uh, that thing to the end. It's like I never used to be a person that like got my things repaired before I got into raw denim. That I'd be like, oh, these this pair of jeans like uh, ripped in the crotch or like one of the side seams
1: busted out. Okay, it's dead. Yeah, that almost becomes a good thing because it's like, oh, cool. Now I get to go get a new one. This is great.
0: yeah. And now, like when I have that on my pair of jeans, I'm like, oh, I've got to go back to the sewing machine again. I was like, I—I I literally taught myself how to sew because I didn't want a pair of jeans that I had put a lot of time into to like be defunct after uh, the crotch blew out. Uh, so it became like a a different way of thinking about it for me. It was just like, oh, like I want these jeans to keep staying alive. Like I, you know, sort of attached to them like I way I was with like a stuffed animal when I was a kid. That it. Uh, is something that I'm going to keep going that like, you know, most of the jeans that I have now, like I've been wearing the same pair now for about two and a half years and I've probably repaired them uh, maybe 15 times that like the, the crotch continuously blows out. Cause I, I ride a bike, uh, most everywhere and you know, like the knee will blow out or like a belt loop will fall off. And it's, uh, you know, not that thing. I don't get that excitement anymore of like, Oh great. Now I have an excuse to buy something new. It's more a thought of like, okay, yeah, you know, what can I do to keep this, you know, pair of jeans going for as long as possible? What can I keep doing to like ring as much use out of it as I possibly can?
1: Right, right. It's it's so interesting to me to hear you know you talking about. It. So you only wear one pair of jeans right now for the most part?
0: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I've got a pair of uh, the Real McCoy's nine nine one BKS, which is a uh, a Japanese like reproduction brand. So like they make products like pretty much exactly two spec of uh, how they were made, you know, 50, 60 years ago. That's awesome. And yeah, they discontinued this pair of jeans. So I'm going to get as much use as I possibly can out of them because there's no more to be had.
1: That's really cool. And it's, it's just, it's so interesting to me to look at someone like you, David, if you know, you're wearing one pair of jeans for two, three, four years, whatever it is. And I was reading an article a few months ago about uh, the owner of Edge, which for those people that don't know, is one of the uh, like leading uh, raw denim dish like uh, retail locations, uh, like also like websites that you can purchase uh, raw denim from uh, in the United States. And then they have all these retail locations in the United States, which is one of the few like truly dedicated raw denim places uh, that you can go to retail wise. Anyways, uh, the owner of Self Edge, like he only wears one pair of jeans at a time and he will, uh, you know, wear each pair for like two, three, four years, whatever it is. And it's like that's so fascinating to me because this guy owns all these different stores. He owns this website. He has all these relationships with all these people in the denim world. You are the like in this exact same boat, David, like you have to write about raw denim. Almost every day, you have all these relationships with these people and everything, and still you're only wearing like, you know, one pair every two or three years or something. And I was like, adding that up for this other guy who's in his, you know, like 40s or 50s or whatever. It's like, okay, so this guy is going to get to wear you know, like six or seven more pairs of jeans in his entire life. You know? Like that's that's like how many jeans he has left. And so first of all, there's such like a decision making process then of like if I'm only gonna have like six or seven pairs of jeans left in my whole life, like I have really have to be deliberate about which ones I pick. Um but I guess that really says a lot about the your actual dedication to what you're talking about and the philosophy behind all of this. That even you guys with access to, you know, I'm sure you guys get sent jeans to review or take photos of or whatever. Um, and it's like, even with access to all these things and knowing all these people, you're still just dedicated to your pair of jeans and not just, oh, sweet. Like I'm, I need to try on another one today to write this, you know, review about it and all this stuff. Um, I feel like that really says a lot about it.
0: Yeah. this. Yeah, you know, I, I, hope Kia, the owner of salvage has many, many more pairs of jeans in his future, but uh, yeah, it's not even really a discipline thing. It's just like, I don't want to wear any other pairs. Cause like that's the one that fits me best, and like that I feel the best in, and I feel like is you know I, the the most enjoyable pair for me to wear at the moment.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: For uh, sure. So yeah, I I guess I try not to think about it. Of like, I only have n- X number of pairs like left in my life. Although you know you could probably. Yeah, it's a pretty morbid thought. I just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the people that are like really really into it tend to just like find the one that syncs up with them, and then they stick with it. I don't know if in your research uh, you happen to pass a guy named uh, Swiss Jeans Freak on Instagram. No. Oh, wow. Like Rudy, he's this like 55-year-old Swiss geologist that happens to be like the most hardcore denim fan on the planet, I would say, that like— he uh, has this barn in the back of his house called the jeans museum of heaviest fadings <laughs> where he will be on instagram and he will like uh uh beg like anyone that has like a good faded pair of jeans of like please send them to me please send them to the jeans museum so they can live forever like in this archive and he is totally anti washing because he really likes the blue color that you only get from not washing mm. but this guy he has worn the same pair of jeans for I think like twelve hundred days in a row now, and he wow. never washed them. And uh, he wore them like on a desert trek, like through the Sahara. He wore them. He climbed Kilimanjaro wearing this pair of jeans. <laughs> he ran a ten k wearing them. He goes like skiing, like very frequently, and like high alpine climbing. But yeah, he's this guy that has literally twelve thousand pairs of jeans that he could be wearing like in his house and he only wears this one pair for you know uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days in a row.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I love you bringing up the the skiing and the climbing Kilimanjaro and doing all these things because I mean that's another thing is that nowadays we can spend so much money on things because everything's become so specialized. Like I have to have my pair of basketball shorts which are different than my pair of running shorts even though they're made out of the same material and all the yeah. and whatever and same with our shoes and whatever. And so much of that is, is just mental, you know? Um, and I mean, obviously this guy's proving it if he's like running 10 miles in his jeans, you know, like if you're yeah. telling yourself that it's all good as you're running your 10 miles, then it's going to be all good, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not advocating like everyone should go out and buy a pair of jeans and expect to climb Kilimanjaro in them. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, uh, I guess people like Rudy show that, uh, a lot more things are possible than we would have thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit more about some of the features of raw denim. So, something uh, that is kind of synonymous with raw denim is selvedge denim. If you want to talk about that mm. a little bit, that would be great.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, Selvedge and raw denim are not the same thing. Like, it's something that they're often associated together, but selvedge is just a fabric term for uh, when fabric is woven. So you've got you know the as I mentioned before the yarns running uh, vertically. And yarns running side to side. And on most uh fabric woven today, it's really, really like big. It's about maybe 60 inches across side to side. And uh when it's being woven, they're just like shooting these yarns across as fast as they possibly can. Uh and so that leaves just there to these like open fluffy ends at each side. And on selvedge denim is the way that like stuff used to be made, where it's a bit narrower, so it's maybe like thirty inches across instead and uh it has this shuttle in this loom so it's running the same yarn back and forth across like all of these vertical yarns so it actually locks off the sides of the fabric so when you see you know like a a wide like 60 inch one it's got all these like fuzzy tufts sort of on the end because it's uh just hanging out there it's not secured in place but the selvage one is just this smooth clean finished edge that is usually white and has you know like a a little colored yarn in the middle of it that could, is typically red, but can be you know blue or green or gold or whatever. Um, it's something that's uh, usually chosen by the brand or by the mill. Um, so selvedge doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better fabric, but if someone's going to the trouble of making selvedge denim, or any selvedge fabric, because um, you can make selvedge you know chambray or selvedge uh, like khaki twill or a selvage, you know, Oxford cloth, like any fabric can become a selvage fabric. But if you're going to that effort to try to make something a selvage because it takes about um, maybe 10 times as long as some of the fastest, like, wide good looms, um, then you're generally going to be putting in a lot more work into it to make it a higher quality
1: fabric. Right, right. If you're doing that, you're probably doing a lot of other things as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's... uh, Something that you know selvedge is um, something that you'll see on most of the high denim or uh, high quality raw denim brands, but it's not something that you should just see and go like, oh, it's selvedge, it's good, or like, oh, it's selvedge, it must be raw. That it sort of became a, a bit of a, um, I guess, a trend or a, uh, a cultural marker uh, a while back, is you know people turn up their cuffs so you can see the, the selvedge on the sides. And there are even some. So um, that portion
1: you're talking about with the white, with the color, is running along the lateral sides of both legs, so like your outward yeah, facing portion of both seam. legs. So if you, like you just said, if you cuff your jeans, you can actually see that. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it's typically on the out seam or like on the inside of the the coin pocket or like a few other places that brands like to sort of tuck the selvage away for you know people who want to look for it. Um. But yeah, there are even some brands, though, now that are, you know, a mall or like more uh, fast fashion brands that sort of caught on to people looking for selvage and started to put fake salvage inside their jeans uh, that would just be you know, like a little piece of tape that looked like salvage running up the the inside for like four inches of the top. <laughs> That's great. So it's something that like I think sort of got a little bit out of hand and uh, a couple of years ago, but is, you know, back to being more reasonably used
1: these days. Right, right what are some of the other trademarks? Uh, so, you know, being salvage is, is traditionally a trademark of raw denim, except, <laughs> except for the examples that you just gave. What are some yeah. of the other trademarks of raw denim uh, that occur at various price points? So something that you learn about as you get into raw denim is that, uh, you know, there's like, like you said, there's all these different price points that you can hit. And normally, as you start to hit these different price points, you'll get Uh, different features so to speak which is an interesting thing is most people don't consider like features when they're looking at yeah that's normally like when you're buying a car it's like do you want this package or do you want this package but uh what are some different trademarks that we could expect to see at different levels of raw denim
0: yeah well uh, none of these jeans come with heated seats but they uh (laughs) there are like a few things that you can see like when you go up the price points is like one thing to remember here is that like uh, a lot of the brands that we vouch for at any price point, none of those jeans are going to be any you know better or worse than any other ones. It's just really like, what are you looking for and how like weird do you want to get? Um, as you can buy an amazing like five pocket, um, pair of jeans, that's, you know, a decent weight fabric constructed very well from unbranded for about $80. And that's uh, one of the jeans that I recommend to, you know, most people, uh, just looking to dip their toe in it because, you know, it's not too much more expensive or any more expensive at all than uh, what people buying washed or distressed denim might typically be paying. And that jean, like if you wear it, will last just as long as, you know, something $300 that you get from Japan. Um, But when you start to move up the, I guess, raw denim uh, price points, you start to see, you know, different countries of origin, like the uh, unbranded ones are made in, in in Macau. If you want something that's made in the USA, that's typically going to be about, like, $150 to $250. If you want, like, a proprietary fabric. So, like, a lot of people are more into the fabric than they are into the jean itself. That uh, they want to know, like, where the cotton came from, what mill it was woven at, what sort of special characteristics are into the jean. So, like... Um, this is sort of I guess where part of raw denim like sort of went off the rails from what uh traditional vintage clothing uh came from, and is like back in the day people were trying to make like the most even natural like un um like most regular denim that you could possibly have that's like nice and smooth, has no like uh sort of like character built into it. They were just trying to make it as consistent as possible. But in people appreciating those old jeans, they've sort of found some of the natural irregularities that happen in those old machines and sort of, like, gone nuts with them. Um, so there's things like slubbiness is a term for when the, the yarns are kind of uneven, so you get this, like, braille-like texture on your jeans. Um, that was something that you used to see, like, every once in a while in vintage goods, but now there's some Japanese brands that, like, specifically program that into the looms um so you can like uh have just these jeans that you know feel like they have warts almost
1: right because right.
0: there's like so much texture and up and down in the the fabric or in nep where like you would have uh in an old factory there'd be a lot of like you know dust and cotton particulates just floating around that would get trapped in the fabric as it was getting woven so you'd have these like little white tufts coming up in the the denim that was seen as like an irregularity and something that's bad But now it's something that people kind of appreciate because it looks like cool and kind of weird. And you can put different colored naps in there of like uh, that make a gene that, you know, looks relatively plain. But like once you get up close, you can see it has a lot more going on with it.
1: It's like there's all these different like genetic variations, like different like species that people want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's something, though, that like people have gone back and like reverse engineered the things that were going wrong (laughs) <laughs> you know uh sixty yeah. seventy years ago to make something that you know people are paying more for now the thing that would have been considered a defect uh back in the day right um but that's something that you know if you're into that you know it's it's a very niche thing that you want to you know recreate a uh, loom manufacturing problem from the 1930s, like you're going to have to pay a little bit more for that because there's not a lot of people that are that interested into that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So you know, it's a thing of like, you know, those jeans with those um, slubs and naps might actually be like less durable than the ones that uh were made more regularly and evenly from cheaper denim. But uh, if you're into that, like there's only one place you can find it. It's like there's a lot of people and a lot of these like sort of higher end brands are just like finding all these weird one-off details on vintage goods and recreating them to the best of their abilities. Um, so like when you get up really high in the uh, uh, raw denim world, then you can get some folks that are just one uh, person operations where they have all these like vintage machines they've collected and they make their jeans like you know sort of two order start to finish. So um, a couple of those brands are like Bowery Blue and uh, Roy Denim um, in Brooklyn and, uh, Oakland, uh, respectively, where it's, you know, really more like a work of art because it's just one guy that, you know, saw from a start to finish, like how he wanted those genes to go together, uh, and, you know, took, you know, uh, anywhere from like three to six hours of his time to put them together.
1: It's amazing so, to me that those genes aren't more money. That when when every single one is made comp like every this was only touched by one other human being. There's so few things that you, I mean, there's almost nothing that you can purchase like that, you know. So it's it's amazing to me that that's it's not even more money for pairs of jeans like that.
0: Yeah, uh, that's that's something that like when you get into it and you realize of like, oh yeah, this is like you know three hundred dollars for a pair of pants is like kind of expensive, but you know people spend you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on cars or. Uh, works of art or other things like that that are sort of have the same um level of intention and uh and attention like put into them right um so uh at a certain point it can be a bargain if that's you know something that you're into
1: yeah for sure i totally agree okay so uh there's all these different brands at these different price points that have these different features uh but a large part of What anyone's going to want as they're going uh, through any pair of jeans is to, as we talked about earlier, like see this journey that this pair of jeans takes, see the phase that it takes. If they want like a neppy or a slubby pair of jeans, those are going to uh, change even more over time. How much time are we looking at with this process? How long before the jeans um, don't look completely flat anymore and start to have some fades? How long before they uh, then start to look really faded and look like your grandpa's old jeans or something like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. it's like, everyone is very interested in seeing, like, Oh, when will I start to get my fades? That it's something I remember in my first pair, I was super excited to start seeing that like little bit of light electric blue coming through. Um, like, you know, around where I kept my keys or like, uh, around like the, the lap of the jeans. But, um, I'd say that like the, the first fades can come through in a matter of like, days or weeks depending on how much you use them. Is you know if you're a a bike messenger or construction worker or something like that, you're going to get a lot uh fades a lot faster than if you're, you know, sitting at a desk job uh 8 hours a day. But, you know, even like, you know, typical activity walking around, like you'll start to see, you know, fades usually around like the the top of the inseam at first cuz like, you know, where your legs go back and forth and that's where the most stress is. Um, and then, you know, they'll start looking, I guess, more like your specific pair of jeans around the, you know, maybe six month to a year mark, like six months. They'll be like, okay, um, I'm starting to see, you know, the, the whiskers coming in on the, the lap. I've got the honey comes to the back of the knees. Like they're, they're feeling more like mine every time I put them on. And then I'd say about a year mark is, uh, I guess when that honeymoon period ends, uh, at least for me, cause I'm wearing the, the same ones over and over and over again, uh, at the point where it, uh, I have to start doing repairs on those jeans. Uh, so like after a year of solid fading, like some parts uh, where, you know, the most stress happens usually in the, the crotch or um, in the the pockets, like, you know, I, I often get a, a hole blowing out where the corner of my phone sits or uh, on my wallet or where I keep my keys. And then uh it's sort of a process of like you know once the f- the first repair has to happen it's usually like every couple months after that that i'm uh back on the sewing machine just touching them up a little bit but you know i can be a little bit uh nuts about that and i also am, uh, lucky enough to have a sewing machine that i can uh fix things up whenever i need to
1: i mean holes in your jeans is coming back in david you could just leave those things right there no big deal
0: uh in some places i don't know if the the ones in the the crotch <laughs> I, I typically want to leave there
1: yeah, and you, you could start your whole bit, own style.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how well that would catch on, but yeah, the it's also the utility of them is you know like I ride a bicycle most places, so uh, you know having that feeling that tear every you know like few months and go like ah, okay again, but you know at at the same time like still like any regular pair of jeans that you would buy would have torn and fallen apart much much more quickly. And the only reason I'm going to the effort to keep repairing and keep wearing these jeans is because, you know, I like them so much that I'm willing to, uh, you know, take the time to to keep them functioning.
1: Right. So you mentioned after six months, they might start to kind of look like your pair after like a year. This is definitely like your pair of jeans. Like you mm. and somebody else could have bought the exact same pair of jeans at the same time and yours is going to look quite different from theirs. I would love to know if that also applies to fit um if you know when we talk about the whole the whole break-in thing and stuff like that um when we think of like breaking in a pair of shoes if i now give the pair of shoes to somebody else who has the same size feet as me but maybe not the same shape of feet as me Mm -hmm. uh, they're probably not going to feel that they're obviously going to fit that person but they're not going to feel like perfect for that person does this happen with raw denim as well like if you gave somebody a year old pair of your raw denim they had the exact same pair of raw denim theirs is a year old and you guys swapped are you going to feel the same in theirs as you felt in yours
0: uh no it's going to look and feel a little bit different um you know you'll probably still be able to wear them it's not like uh you know wearing someone else's shoes that might give you foot problems later um but yeah, it, it's a thing where, like, you, know, when you're wearing them, like, a lot of the wear patterns come in, like, how you naturally sit and walk, and uh, the way you move and, like, put stress on them. Uh, so, like, for me, like, I typically have my right knee is much lighter than my left knee because I cross my, like, left leg over my right, and I've even got, like, a little spot down by my left ankle where, like, they both touch. Um, and it's a thing of, like, unless you're exactly, I guess, the same size and, like, walk the same way it's going to uh i guess fit and feel a little bit different and you know that's also a thing of like you know you put those creases behind your knees how you walk and like on your lap the way you you sit down and move with them oh if you were to wear someone else's jeans like those might not line up exactly and they'll look a little bit off right and they won't look nearly as natural as if they were fades that you made yourself which is you know sort of the thing of like why. Uh, I think at least like naturally faded denim looks a lot better than what you would get pre-distressed is on those pre-distressed jeans. They basically just take uh, cues mostly from naturally faded pairs of jeans and they put them on, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of pairs. So you're wearing like a facsimile of someone else's naturally faded pair of jeans. So it just looks a little bit strange because that's not the way if you would naturally worn that denim that they would turn out.
1: Right, right um now what about your butt david a lot of people care about the way that their butt looks in their pair of pants if i wear a pair of raw denim is my butt going to look nicer over time because it's like my butt broke in this pair of pants
0: um that's entirely subjective uh so i'm like is you tend to get like some stretching in uh raw denim too so like you know you typically want to buy like jeans that you can just like get the top button done. And it's like, you know, not super comfortable at first, but like it will get there because you're going to stretch about, you know, an inch or two in the waist and like a little bit more all throughout the jean. You definitely don't want to buy a pair that's like, you know, constricting you and like you can't walk or like put anything in your pockets or like sit down in. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of like the way they fit and make you I guess sort of look in uh, in the butt region um, yeah don't get any I guess too tight just ones that sort of feel nice I I would say is like uh, in terms of you know raw denim fits like it, it's not I guess a, a huge focus on people of um, how that is sort of accentuated it's just like what feels good and what like makes feels natural for you right and I think like that kind of feel is into ends up being what looks best
1: right yeah very good point um so if people were to spend time on your website or if people were to go to like the uh reddit denim community or something like that they would pretty quickly notice that it, there is an overwhelming majority of men in these places compared to women um why do you think that is first of all and can you give some advice for women that would like to try raw denim? Like, what what are some resources for them? What are companies that are making uh, raw denim for women? Um, yeah, let's help out the ladies out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's something that is really, really underrepresented and that, like, women's raw denim isn't nearly as, uh, you know, well catered to as the, as the men's side of it. I think there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, that you know, I'm not a woman so I can't like speak definitively on any of these for you know uh and my experience with them but uh I think like some of it has to do with the fact that there's uh that this is drawing a lot on vintage workwear and military wear and those were professions that were uh dominated by men usually in the last uh you know 70 uh, 100 years and uh so a lot of the brands that are doing reproductions of those old jeans and the old denim are doing them based off of you know fits that were done exclusively for men um then i think another part of it is that like the brands are much smaller and have uh, far fewer fits that there's really only like four fits in raw denim there's like the straight legs um, the like slim, straight ones, there's the tapered ones, and then there's the slim and tapered ones. And uh, from what I've spoken with uh, women designers about, and you know when rot, women raw denim wears that's uh, there are usually way, way more women's fits out there to uh, cater to a um, larger variety of uh, women's body types. That it's just sort of the I guess the way that um, we dress for better or worse. That like there's a lot more tolerance in the way men's jeans fit, um, uh, generally speaking, than there are in women's jeans. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that like you know I have my women friends that like will say that they go to the uh, to buy jeans and they have to try on like thirty different pairs and none of them really fit and they're all cut very differently. Yeah. Whereas me, like I feel like it's, it's such a uh, very lucky that I can just sort of put on whatever and it looks all right.
1: Yeah. And yeah, um, you if you surveyed like 100 men and you gave them either a pair of like Levi's 501s or Levi's 511s, like probably 95 out of 100 are going to be like, yeah, one of those is fine. You know, like I like that one or I yeah, like that that's one. That's fine. That's that's, that's it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's sort of, I guess like a problem inherent in our society that like, you know, that we feel like there's, uh, there has to be that like exact of a fit on that side and not on, uh, on another side. Um, and then like another thing with that is like raw denim sort of stretches and sags that like, as you wear it and you break it in, you get things like, you know, knee bags, uh, were from where like your knees sort of stretch out and they just sort of like hang out, uh, in these little folds in front of your knees when you're naturally like you're walking around. And I guess that sort of like sagginess is not something that's generally uh, people want in uh, women's jeans. So and, something
1: like that though can be ameliorated if you were to be putting a little bit of elastin or spandex mm-hmm. or something into the jeans, which is like a whole conversation uh within the raw denim community is like is is something like that even allowed like is that okay or is that sacrilege oh yeah, um, like
0: in my opinion, like nothing is sacred in in raw denim it's like you should do what is like feels most natural and most like comfortable for you, and uh. The only argument I would have against like using elastin is that like oh, plastic is bad for the environment, right, but uh, yeah, if like stretch jeans are what like makes you feel comfortable what fits you well, then by all means use them
1: right, Right. Uh,
0: and you know there are a few brands too that are making women's jeans in a hundred percent cotton, um like railcar and pure blue Japan and uh eat dust all do them, but uh, yeah, it's something that i think is is really uh unfortunate that a lot of brands um you know aren't serving the uh women's side of the the market nearly as well as they're serving men's in raw denim yeah and there's like and this doesn't just sound like totally doom and gloom there's like quite a few um good brands out there that are you know stepping up to to the plate for it but i i wish there were a lot more and it was a community that was much more inclusive
1: Yeah, for,
0: uh, sure. for that. Is it something like, you know, it's my philosophy that like clothes aren't necessarily gendered. Like anyone can wear any clothes no matter how they identify. Um, but like uh, generally in the way that like we're naturally taught, like as from when we we're kids to how to wear clothes, there's a certain way that you're supposed to do it. And that's often gendered, which I think is unfortunate because you know, like what, we try to do as hells is like present everything as inclusively and like ungendered as possible. So like anyone wants to wear any pair like, uh, of jeans or any boots or like anything, like it's entirely what, uh, they want to identify with. And we're not going to tell them that like, Oh, this is a men's pair of jeans or this is a women's pair of jeans.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah it it makes me think of just like i i love all the reasons that you gave and i feel like so much of it it really is like like cultural so to speak and and just like the um i guess burden that is placed on women to look good all the time and to look good right now you know Mm -hmm. and uh you know men in a very
0: specific way yeah uh, yes
1: exactly and and we have such a different uh mentality i feel like as men we're like your friend will have some like goofy, terrible looking beard, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, see me in a year, like a year from now, my beard's gonna look awesome. It's like, well, it looks terrible right now, but like, that's okay if you're a guy. It's like, okay, I'm gonna look terrible for the next six months so that, you know, eight months from now, I'll look good, you know, I'll maybe look good. I don't even know. And, I feel like women don't really have something like that as much, you know, or like that's not really a psychology or mindset. So, it, it, a there's obviously the uh, the fit piece, like you're talking about, but b also if if you're if you really do like a distressed look in your jeans, um, and you do like some fading and some whiskering and whatever, you don't like just you know, uh, rigid, completely plain colored jeans. The idea of like, oh well, my jeans are gonna look nice eight months from now it's like wait so i have to walk around for eight months not mm-hmm. looking nice you know or like what i don't think is nice like that, that's not very cool you know um versus i feel like for men it's a little bit less of caring about that it's like ah, eh, whatever i don't i don't care if i'm looking or if i'm walking around not looking great for the next eight months no big deal
0: yeah i think there there is something to that that like our society is much more prescriptive on how women are supposed to look like very specifically and like A lot of the raw denim and workwear culture is about just sort of like not caring in a way that like I'm going to wear the same pair of pants for two years. And that's uh, something that I think that the men in our society have a lot more leeway on than women, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's something that we've just, you know, tried to anytime that like a brand has uh, any women's specific items out that we try to give them a lot. uh, uh, We try to promote them as much as we can. To try to get more you know inclusivity into what we cover um but yeah at at the other end of it we just try to make it be like okay this is something that we think is worthy of attention and like anyone that wants to buy it and wear it like more power to you
1: yeah definitely that's great um so you touched a little bit of on uh, sizing down, and uh, you know that you're going to have to button these things up tight for your first few times wearing them. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, how are we going to know what size we want to buy if we're buying our first pair of raw denim ever, and we don't live in uh, like San Francisco, LA, New York, a place that might have like a dedicated raw denim store? And we see all these, you know, hundreds of different brands that we can buy online and stuff how the hell are we going to drop like 200 bucks on our first pair of raw denim that we've ever worn and without trying them on first?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a leaf of faith at first <laughs> in some ways, but uh, I guess before we get too into sizing, there's one sort of factor that complicates this a little bit more uh, called sanforization that uh, can make it even a little bit more um, mystifying on like what size you should actually be buying is uh when you're buying, like, a, a pair of distressed, like, pre-washed jeans, like, all the shrink has usually been taken out of them. And as you mentioned, like, sadly, your uh, Naked and Famous T-Cores were uh, shrunk a bit too much on that first wash, and now, yeah, you can't wear them the same way that you used to. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, some, like, raw denim, since it hasn't been distressed and, and washed beforehand, um, it's going to shrink on that first wash. And depending on uh, there's there's one factor of like a, a fabric treatment after the fabric's been woven that will determine really how much it gets it shrinks on that first wash, called sanforization, which is just basically like a heating and steaming process that gets out most of the shrink in the first uh, like bef- before they get cut and sewn into jeans. So unsanforized denim is also known as like shrink to fit. Um, sort of like the 501 shrink to fit. That's like the classic unsanforized jean. And when you wash that for the the first time, when it like touches water and dries, it's going to shrink uh, about an inch, inch and a half, uh, maybe two inches in the waist, and about two to three inches in length. And then um, you know maybe half an inch, like in the the thigh, knees, all the way down. So they're gonna shrink like a good you know maybe one and a half to three sizes on that. So when you're buying like unsanforized denim, um, shrink to fit denim, you should size up and you should buy jeans. Like when you put them on in the store or uh, they should fit uh, like a little bit loose, you should put be able to put some fingers like in between the jeans and your waist um, comfortably. So when they shrink back down, um, you can still put them on. Uh, sanforized denim will still shrink like a little bit this is, um, I'm pretty sure those T-cores the ones that you had were Sanforized but they will still yes. shrink like an inch in length um, at least and like maybe half an inch on first wash
1: more like a regular that, pair of jeans that someone would have had before yeah yeah so like the
0: um, when you do Sanforize then I'm like you'll be able to stretch back out the waist usually but in length like just naturally wearing them won't stretch out the length in the the inseam um, so yeah uh, I guess a poor cautionary tale from you. You got to be very careful when you get them hemmed of <laughs> how much you're going to expect them to, to shrink.
1: Yeah. Okay. So now this whole picture is complicated even more of what size to buy. So, first step, yeah. I guess, is are these jeans you're buying Sanforized or Unsanforized? You want to figure that out.
0: Yeah. And I would recommend, like, pretty much anyone for their first pair buy Sanforized, as uh, you're still going to get the raw denim experience, but it's going to be, like, way less confusing. At first, if you just know, like, okay, I'm going to wear these jeans, they're going to stretch out uh, a little bit in the waist, but then they're going to shrink back up again to pretty much the same size when I wash them. Um, Just, you have to get the length right. But um, that's also a thing in raw denim is that uh, uh, typically jeans only come in one length because they're smaller companies and, like, you know, it's just more cost effective for them to only have, you know, uh, eight skews for whatever um, waist size they have and not for, uh, length. So you'd have to, you know, have like, uh, you know, a factor of 10 more garments on hand, um, if you were to do everything by inseam as well. But, uh, yeah, so like jeans that you buy raw denim typically come long with like 34 inch plus inseams. So like your first inclination is usually to hem them, but like be wary of how much you take off because, you know, the, the water on that first wash is going to take off some of it as well. Um, yeah. And in terms of when you want to, uh, buy them, like the thing that I generally recommend is, uh, you take the pair of jeans that fits you the best at the moment and you lay them out and you get a tape measure and you say like, okay, what is the waist like, uh, from end to end? What is the, the, at the hem, what is the leg opening from end to end? What is the inseam? What is the thigh like? Uh, what is the front rise? We've got instructions for how to do this on our site. Uh, and most of the raw denim retailers out there will have all those uh, sizes listed for every single um, size number on uh, on their website. So like, you can just take your measurements and compare and go like, okay, this is the ideal of what I'm looking for, and this is what uh, this size and this jean stacks up with so I can be pretty confident in the, what I'm getting is pretty much analogous to what I've got on hand. And we even came up with a tool for how to do this a few years ago uh, called the Gene Finder, where you can plug in those measurements, and it searches through this gene database we made to show you all of the genes that uh, have most similar fits to those uh, measurements that you put in.
1: Wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's something that uh, we hope has been a, a good help to people that you know, aren't entirely sure, and hopefully give them more confidence in buying online.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's start to wind this thing down here a little bit, David, and continue to give people some more advice. I guess if they are looking at uh, at purchasing their first pair of raw denim. So, first of all, obviously, uh, you have this awesome tool on Heddles, uh, so that's great. Uh, maybe before giving more direct advice, let's do the opposite of that and talk about mistakes. So what are some mistakes that you have either made yourself in your raw denim career or that you have heard of other people making? And as you already talked about, like, you know, I made my mistake of hemming mine a little bit too short or, you know, I hem them fine and then I wash them and then they shrunk up more than I thought. Yada, yada, yada. What are some mistakes that people could avoid when buying their first pair of raw denim?
0: Um, I think the first one going into it was just like being having an open mind and being understanding that like, uh, mistakes might happen and that that's like okay and sort of part of the denim journey that's a, a thing I guess I mentioned earlier is that like it's a something that you sort of haze yourself into Oh, so just like expect it to be um, like not everything to go entirely smoothly and that's okay uh, and uh, for me I guess the one of the mistakes that I made early on is on that like very first pair I uh, did an ocean wash on them which is a thing that like used to be a bit more popular but uh is sort of like might be I think a practical joke created by uh, one of these denim brands uh, uh some years ago where you're supposed to like wear your jeans into the ocean and that's how you wash them and then you like take them out and you rub sand on them and you go back and you rinse off the sand and then that's what washes your jeans and uh no matter how many times you wash them since then you can't get all the smell of, like, low tide out of those jeans. <laughs> so that's something that, like, I would say, if you have any inclination of thinking that, like, w- uh, these might um, uh, be a good idea to put them in the ocean, just, like, rethink that and rethink how much you like the smell of it.
1: So you bring it, this brings up an interesting point, and we brought up the freezer thing earlier, which is there's a lot of... Uh like weird mythology around the way to care for your raw denim it sounds like maybe what you're trying to say in whole is like if you hear if you read something on the internet well this is a bigger point than just raw denim but if you read something about the care of your raw denim on the internet or you hear something and it sounds really far off from something you would normally do with a pair of jeans maybe don't do that or or, you know look for more sources
0: yeah, that was a thing that, like, uh, another mistake I guess I made as a uh, denim blogging professional is that, like, we like to do a April Fool's post every year, and uh, we had one that was called How to Fade Your Raw Denim Faster, and one of the tips on it was to, like, put your jeans in the microwave, which I thought was, like, this is so ridiculous, no one would ever do that. And then, like, lo and behold, like, a week later, someone emailed me saying, like, hey, I put my jeans in the microwave, and now there's a big hole in it, and, like, my microwave doesn't work. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like, the... So, yeah, I guess that's also a, a thing that I... Uh, I learned to be more mindful of, just, like, okay, no matter how ridiculous the misinformation you put on the internet is, someone will probably think it's true. Right. Um, But I guess, like, other mistakes... uh sizing down too tight um is like if you get ones that you think are just like these are supposed to be as tight as i can possibly take them and then you're just uncomfortable and unpleasant and it just makes your life like worse by having to wear these like tight unpleasant pants for the next few months and it leaves you with a like bad experience with raw denim um then uh think of a few other ones uh oh i'd say like be mindful of where you wear your new raw denim because as jeans fade that like indigo has to go somewhere so in the first uh like couple months of wearing raw denim you might experience what's called crocking which means that blue color will go off onto other things like whether that's your white shoes or your white couch or (laughs) like a you know um, light colored, you know, like backpack or messenger bag you might have. So just be aware of what, uh, you're experiencing, like your raw denim around. And if you want to put Indigo on that, that's something, if you like wash relatively early, just, uh, uh that will limit the amount of crocking that will happen and the, the dye will sort of get locked in a bit more. And like all that excess will come out in the first wash. Cool. Um, another thing is I think a lot of people wait way too long for the first wash that there's sort of this, like, uh, another one of those myths is like, Oh, you have to wait six months or else like your fades won't turn out well. And, uh, six months is like kind of a long time. And, uh, with the stretching of, uh, the jeans, as I mentioned that, like when you, uh, wear them, they stretch, when you wash them, they shrink back up. And if you're, uh, you're wearing these jeans with them stretched out the entire time, they're going to get a little bit brittle in those uh, cotton fibers. And they're going to be more likely to break down uh, as you're getting more like dirt and grime and just other things that are sort of caked into them. So the more frequently you wash your jeans, the, the longer they will likely last. Um, this isn't something of like you don't need to wash them every single time you wear them. Um, I personally wash my jeans like every month, month or two. Um, and, uh, I have done them in the washing machine. I've done them in the tub. It's just really like what's available. Um, I would recommend like probably not putting them in the dryer if they're very new, uh, because that can lead to this thing called marbling. If you have very new jeans, cause they're, they're stiff. And when they start to shrink up, they'll get, you know, bounced around in the dryer. And that can often form those like creases that you would naturally get in wearing the jeans. But like, the dryer will form them, so you get all these weird, like, creasing and lines that sort of look like what you'd get in, um, you know, a marble countertop. But it's not nearly as—it's uh, not what some people find as attractive in their pair of jeans. If that's an effect that, like, you think is cool, then, like, by all means, put your jeans in the, the, the dryer. But if you're looking for, like, a naturally, normally faded pair of jeans, just hang them up and let them drip dry.
1: Yeah, that should, I assume, also— uh, really extend the life of your jeans, drip-drying them versus putting them in the, the dryer, you know?
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing, too, of, like, you know, if you've ever emptied a lint trap on a dryer, that's, like, that used to be part of your clothes. Uh, <laughs> right. And that's just, you know, slowly your clothes are sort of being ground down into nothing uh, the l- more and more you put them in the dryer. Um, think of other ones. Uh... Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're just jeans. Wear them. Like I think most people that have gotten into raw denim, like it's not their very first pair of jeans. Um, so just do what feels natural to them and like, don't try to overthink it. Um, just like live your life in them. And if they, if you think they need a wash, then they probably need a wash. (laughs) Uh, if you're confused or conflicted about it, just wash them. It's, uh, and, like, also, if you're ever sending your jeans in to get repaired, either at, like, one of the raw denim repair services, like Edge has a repair service, um, and there are a few others around the country that you can, like, send them to specifically if you want someone that only repairs uh, jeans to have a look at them, or if, even if you're just taking them into your local tailor to get darning done on them, uh, wash them beforehand. It's uh, just a nice thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and some of those places will even send them back to you if you haven't watched them already.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. That's no good. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. David, let's uh, finish this thing up with different resources that people can check out. So I will uh, obviously put a link uh, in the in the post for this episode. I'll put a link to Heddles. I'll put a link to uh, the sort of like Denim Finder tool that you were talking about. What are uh, other than, than your website, what are some other places that people can go uh that are just great resources for people interested in raw denim.
0: Yeah. So, um, we try to be like relatively self-referential. So like anything we write about, like that seems confusing, you can like you, like enter in a, a click hole and figure out what sort of everything means. But like, if you're looking for um, specific jeans uh, that you found online, like a lot of the stores that sell this stuff are like, they're really passionate about it and they're very uh, into customer service. So if you have any questions about something online, just like give them a call. They're usually really happy to talk you through it. And there's like no judgment if you don't know anything about raw denim getting into it either. That, you know, you can just call up Self Edge or Blue Owl or Blue and Green or any of these places, and they'd be happy to talk you through it. Awesome. That they're great resources, like even if they're not in your uh community or in your city. Um beyond that, Super Future is probably like the source for uh online denim discussion which is like an old message board that was started in the early 2000s and it has like all the information you could ever possibly want about like denim or uh jeans or workwear, or any of this stuff on it it's just you know an old early, like mid-2000s message board so it's a little bit hard to navigate and there's a lot of stuff to sort through in order to find it but like if it's about jeans it's probably on super fu- uh super future
1: yeah uh well david this has been awesome man and uh i really hope that a lot of people who listen to this uh decide to buy their first pair of raw denim uh i'm obviously into it i as we talked a little bit at the beginning of the episode uh it's it can be a really cool thing it can be something that it 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 goes beyond like your pants then you know and then you start uh maybe owning fewer things but the things that you buy are, are really high quality and you care for them a lot um and it's a nice sort of philosophical shift you know
0: Yeah, and that's like really what we're all about. Our tagline is "Own things you want to use forever," so that you can not only use for a really long time, but you're actually still excited to use them.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Oh yeah, thanks so much for uh, taking the time, Blake. I really appreciate the conversation, and uh, yeah, best of luck with that uh, latest pair of uh, 727 Stevenson overalls.
1: Hope they serve (laughs) you well. Thank you, David. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank you. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have head on over to halfhourintern.com. there's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview a particular field that you would like to hear about or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show thanks so much for listening you guys